And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We're in a series called Taking the Limits Off God. And today I want to talk to you about moving from frustration to occupation. Moving from frustration to occupation. How many of you have ever felt frustrated? Boy, some of you I need to talk to because you, I want to know what your secret is. You know, I think most of us know what it is. We're, we're working towards something only to have things fall apart. Sometimes you can work so hard to put a deal together and then at the last minute, it just doesn't work. I, I remember almost 43 years ago, when uh, I got on a plane here in Tallahassee and flew up to eastern North Carolina with the express purpose of asking Kathy's dad if I could have her hand in marriage. And she was his third-born daughter, and I suspect he knew what I was up to. He never told me that. But uh, I remember I, I arrived one evening, and uh, so we went to bed that night, and I got up early the next morning. I knew her dad. Her dad was a real estate developer. He was also involved in the, in the local uh, politics. He became a city commissioner there in Moorhead City, North Carolina. And I knew that he was in meetings most of the day and many times in the evening. And so I got up at 6 a.m. that first morning, and I thought, well, I'll have a cup of coffee with her dad, and maybe I can tell him what I'm wanting, her hand in marriage. Well, I got up at 6 a.m. He was long gone. So I thought, well, he'll come home tonight and we'll have dinner. And then maybe after dinner, I can talk to him. Well, he didn't join the family for the evening meal. He was in meetings. So the next morning, I got up at 530 in the morning. I said, I'm going to go meet her dad. Guess what? He was already gone at 530 in the morning. He didn't come home that night. He had meetings. The third morning, and I'm leaving on the fifth day now, so I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. So the third morning, I get up at 5 a.m. and I go into the kitchen. And I thought, well, I'll make him kitchen. I'll make him coffee this morning. He'll like that. He was gone. <laughs> I asked Kathy's mom, I said, is Mr. Wellens going to be home tonight for an evening meal? She says, I'm sorry, Terrell. He's got a, some kind of a zoning committee meeting or something, said he won't be here. And I, I said, Mrs. Wellens, I've got to talk to you. I said, I've got a problem. I said, I, I'm trying to ask your husband if I can marry your daughter. I really love her. And she says, well, Terrell, let me see if I can help you. So she calls his secretary, and she got me an appointment at, <laughs> at 6.15 that evening. That's how packed his schedule was at 6.15 that evening. And I finally got in there and I told him that I wanted to marry his third born daughter. He says, I got one question for you, son. He says, I know Kathy hasn't been dating anybody else since she started dating you. Do you have girlfriends other places? <laughs> I thought that's a pretty good question, isn't it? I stored it away because see, when I, I had three daughters and so I had three son-in-laws and it was kind of fun to watch them doing the dance because I knew, I knew what they wanted to ask me. And I knew what to ask them. Hallelujah. I was able to say, no, sir. And Kathy and I will celebrate 41 years of marriage in August. Amen. So I had to go. I had to move from frustration 
to occupation. Amen? Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 3 is about that very thing. It's about resolving frustration because in this chapter we read about a nation of people, two and a half million strong, who have been frustrated for 40 long years. For 40 long years they've been wandering around in the desert, in the wilderness, and they could see the promised land, but they could not enter it. Look at me. God knows how to get you across your Jordan River. He knows exactly how to get you across. Tammy, is this your mom here? It's not, I met you last year. It's good to see you. And I think I saw one on a burger's parents here. And the rest of you, I'm glad you're all here. I'm just, I'm just talking and I'm, and I'm seeing people. These people know if they can get across the Jordan River, then they can reach their promised land. But there is a big obstacle, and that obstacle is called the Jordan River at flood time. Normally, it's pretty easy to get across the Jordan River. It's about like crossing the old Clotney River if you're not below the dam when they open the dam. Amen? You don't want to cross it when they open up that dam. But you know, other times it's not that hard. Many times I've swam. Many times I've waded. Many times I've made my my way across the old Clotney. How many of you have done that? Let me just see your hands. Well, not as many as I thought. (laughs) Few of you have. Amen. How many of you have done it? You just don't want people to know you've done it. (laughs) I won't tell. I won't tell. Well, normally you can get across the... Jordan River because it's not that wide, but it was flood time because it's at the spring of the year. The spring rains have come down. Not only that, the snow is melting on top of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is north of the Sea of Galilee. We're in the northern area of of, of Israel right now in your mind's eye. I want you to see the mountains of Lebanon, and then there's Mount Hermon. The snows are melting. They're coming down into the Sea of Galilee. It's not really a sea. It's a big lake, 8 miles across, 13 miles long. It comes down to to the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee opens up and becomes the mouth for the Jordan River. The Jordan River runs about a hundred miles down to the Dead Sea, down to what's called the Araba or Salt Sea. It's the lowest point on earth. And so the river runs fairly swiftly. But now because of the flooding, because of the ice melt, because of the rains, it is treacherous to get across it. Now, dear ones, if anybody knew failure, the nation of Israel had known 40 years of failure. If anybody had known disappointment, the nation of Israel knew disappointment. If anybody had known what it was to miss out on the blessings of victory, Israel knew what it was to miss out. See, 40 years earlier, their forefathers had stood ready to enter the promised land, but they ran into obstacles and they got discouraged and they turned back And the Bible says in Psalm 78, verse 41, read this aloud and loudly. Come on, again, I want you just to raise the the roof because this is the verse that is the, the foundation for this series on limiting God. It says, come on, together with me. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Dear ones, if there's one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to limit God. You don't want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and hear, well, I wanted to do this in your life, but you wouldn't let me. And I wanted to do this, 
but you were too fearful or you were too stubborn or you were so busy that you didn't pause to listen to my voice. What you want to hear is well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire realized is a tree of life. And I just want to prophesy to everybody in this house and everybody watching by television, everybody watching on the internet, everybody that, 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 that is even any, 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 the people, some of you are watching this right now that are back in the children's ministry area. I want you all to hear me say this. God has a promised land for you. God has not forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows your address. He knows your telephone number. He knows where you are. And He knows how to get you from point A to point B. See, God had a strategy for getting two and a half million people across the flooded river. Hallelujah. You know, I've got a friend. For over 20 years, he was the associate pastor of a local church. And the reason he served so faithfully for 20 years is because his dad was the senior pastor. So dad's the senior pastor. Junior is the associate pastor. Junior served faithfully. He told me he did everything he knew how to do to love the saints and to be a good pastor. Finally, his dad retires. His dad and his mom moved to another location. The church decides to make him the senior pastor. And he said everything was great for the first six months. And he said, then he started hitting these speed bumps. He says, there was nothing he could do that would please the board. There was nothing he could do that would please the congregation. He says, even the choir was upset at him. He said, the youth ministry was upset at him. He says, everywhere he turned, he said, he was giving his best, but his best wasn't good enough. And he called me one day and he says, I've decided to resign this church because obviously Nothing is working. I'm going to resign this church and I'm going to trust God to work out his plan in my life. He resigned the church. He went three or four months just doing any kind of work he could. But he spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time listening to the Holy Spirit. And about four, maybe it was five months later, a congregation contacted him from another state in another city. And this congregation said to him, they said, we hear that you're available and you might could become our pastor. We used to be a great church. We used to be over 500 people strong, but we've hit some tough times and we're now down to about 50 people. My friend and his wife prayed about it. They accepted the pastorate of that church. They moved their teenagers over to where this church is located. Do you know that in the first year, they doubled in attendance? In the second year, they doubled in attendance. They were up to 200. In the third year, they almost doubled again. They went up to 350 people. I saw my friend in March at the Convoy of Hope meetings in Jacksonville. And he said to me, he says, you know what? I've never been more happier in my life. I've never been more fulfilled. My wife is happy. Our children are happy. Our church loves me. God is blessing us. Folks, it's good to be in the center of God's will. And here's part of the message today. God knows how to get you from where you are to where you need to be. God knows how to take you from point A to point B. But we have to be willing and obedient if we want to eat the good of the land. Amen? Look in 
Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 with me now. It says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went throughout the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about 1,000 yards. There'll be three football fields, the length of three football fields, between you and the Ark of the Covenant. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Now, dear ones, I want you to back up with me now to verse 2 and verse 3. So it was after three days that the officers went throughout the camp. Who are these officers? Well, these are the captains that report to General Joshua. So the officers are now going throughout the camp. Verse 3, and they commanded the people saying, when you see, everybody say, when you see. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Folks, you will never enter into everything that God has for you if you don't learn to listen to and obey the Word of God and the inner voice of the Holy Ghost. You can hear the best preaching and teaching in the world, but if you take the attitude, hey... That's just what some preacher's saying. I don't have to th- even think twice about it. If you take the attitude that, hey, that may not, that may be for other people, but it's not for me, you will never get where God wants you to get in your life. Because again, the Bible says in Isaiah 119, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, we've got to be teachable. We've got to be trainable. A disciple is a follower of Christ. A disciple is one who has learned of Christ. And so these men and women had to say, you know what? I really believe that the Holy Ghost is speaking through Joshua. And there comes a point in time that you've got to make up your mind and say, you know what? I think that God is speaking through my pastor. I think God is speaking through this apostle or prophet or evangelist or, or, or teacher or whoever it might be. And you've got to go to the word yourself. You know, the, the Bereans were, were, were very noble people because they searched the scriptures to see if the things that were taught to them were actually true. And I encourage you to, to search the scriptures because we do try to preach and teach the Bible. Folks, heaven and earth will pass away, but God said my word will never pass away. And if you and I are going to move from frustration to occupation, we've got to learn to listen to and to obey the Word of God and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 8 verse 31 says, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth And the truth shall make you free. Now, again, look at me at Joshua chapter 1. Excuse me, Joshua chapter 3, verse 3. It says, And they commanded the people, saying, 
when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And now then jump over to verse 6 with me, if you will. It says in verse 6, Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and they went before the people. Now, why is this significant? Folks, for 40 years... For 40 years, this nation has followed not the Ark of the Covenant. This nation has followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the reason the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire are significant is because the Shekinah glory of Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, dwelt inside that cloud. And so when those two and a half million people saw the clouds start to move, they begin to pack up and they begin to walk. When the clouds stopped, They stopped. They loved knowing that God was with them through the cloud. But suddenly things have changed. They're not saying, when you see the cloud move, then you move across the river. Now they're saying, you can't watch the cloud. You're going to have to look at the ark of God. Now I know ark is confusing because we got Noah's ark and then we got this ark of the covenant. This ark is not a big boat. This ark is a box it was made out of acacia wood. It was a little little less than four foot long and a little more than two foot high and two foot wide. It was made of acacia wood and it was covered with pure gold. And on top of this box, there was what was called the mercy seat. The mercy seat was built out of acacia wood covered in gold. And every year at the, at the year of atonement, the day of atonement, the high priest would take some, some blood of a bull and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat and God would remit the sins of Israel. But not only that, on top of that mercy seat, there were two angels. They were called cherubim. They were made out of hammered gold. They were finely crafted and they kneeled on top of the mercy seat facing each other and their wings came up and their wings touched and here's what God said God said I'm going to dwell between the wings of the cherubim I used to dwell in the cloud I used to dwell in the pillar of cloud now I'm dwelling between the wings of the cherubim you've got to follow the ark because when you're following the ark you're following the Holy Ghost now We don't live in the Old Testament, do we? We live in the New Testament. And we've got a better covenant. Hebrews 8 verse 6. A better covenant built upon better promises. Hallelujah. And we're not following an ark because the presence of God is not in the ark. Remember all those movies about Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't know altogether what they were chasing. Aaron's rod that budded was in there. Some of the manna was in there. A copy of the Ten Commandments was in there. But that's what was inside the ark. I'm going to tell you something. Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. The moment you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know God Himself comes to fill you. And when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you get a release of the Holy Ghost and fire inside your life and your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. What that means is that now in the New Testament, I'm not following a cloud and I'm not following an ark, but I'm listening to the Holy Ghost who's on the inside of me. 
I'm listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. You know, I used to wonder, God, why aren't more Christians today in America? Why don't we seem to be listening to the Holy Spirit? Why aren't we sensitive to the anointing of the Holy Ghost? And it was like the Holy Spirit whispered back to me and said, Terrell, people are so occupied with themselves. People are so occupied with everything on their to-do list. Everything that they want to do. People are wrestling with fears and frustrations. And by and large, people are not spending time in my presence to worship me. People are not spending time reading my word. People are not spending time in my presence because in my presence there's fullness of joy and at the Father's right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But when you come into my presence, you can't be in control. You can be in control when you're worrying. You can be in control when you're angry. You can be in control when you're fearful, but you can't be in control because you've got to give me control. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What's the anointing? The anointing is the manifest presence of God. And God is omnipresent, but His presence is not manifest everywhere all the time. Oh, I'm not saying God's not present. He is present. But I'm talking about the anointing. And it's a, it, we read about it in the Gospels. It says the, the, the anointing, the power of God was present to heal. And so Jesus healed the sick. And he cleansed the lepers. And he raised the dead. And he cast out devils. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Folks, if you want to be successful in life, If you want to be prosperous in life, you've got to learn to follow the anointing. You've got to learn to follow the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The anointing is tangible. It can be felt. The anointing is like electricity. It can be felt. If you don't think electricity can be felt, then just unscrew a light bulb. Put your finger in that socket. You're going to feel something. Amen? And that's what happens when the anointing is in manifestation. I I remember reading a a Bible commentary one time. It was by a renowned theologian, a man that I thought I had a lot of respect for. But he began to try to dismiss every single scripture that had to do with the power of God for today. He said that was for another time. It's not for today. And, And he spent all his time trying to say God doesn't move in power today. Well, there are theologians that believe that. There are pastors that believe that. There are churches that believe that. But I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of churches that are dying today because they don't have anything to offer people. But I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did yesterday, he'll do today. And what he'll do today, he'll do tomorrow. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the ages. Amen? Hallelujah. Zechariah said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. Hallelujah. I heard a preacher not long ago talking about how the anointing will break the yoke of bondage. And I thought it will break. But really what it does is it destroys. 
Go read the 10th chapter of Isaiah. It says the anointing shall destroy the yoke. What is a yoke? A yoke is something you put on a beast of burden to pull a heavy load. And and sometimes the old devil will try to put yokes of oppression on people. Sometimes people put yokes on other people. But I'm telling you, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. The anointing will destroy that yoke of bondage. If you invited me over to your house, said, Pastor Terrell, come on and have a cup of coffee. We might sit there for a while, and if I pick up one of your treasured knickknacks... And I break it. Somebody say, "Woo!" If I break it, you might be able to glue it back together. But if I destroy it, it is gone, right? That's what Jesus does to the works of hell. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Glory to God. On Thursday, it was a national day of prayer, March 4th, and I was invited. Pam and Tenny Olson are, are good friends, and they graciously invited me to come and be one of the people praying on the 22nd floor of the Capitol. And Dr. Rodney Howard Brown and his wife, Adonica, were also invited, and they flew up that morning. Remember, it was, it was raining pretty bad Thursday morning. Anyway, they, they flew up, and so they were participating in it. And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of elected officials and there are a lot of uh um pastors and all kinds of people there and 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 Rodney Howard Brown prayed for our governor and he also prayed for our president prayed for our country prayed for our nation and and I got to spend a little time with me with him and, and he he reminded me he had told me this back when he was with us in November he told me how he used to be a a, a Bible college teacher when he was in South Africa and he said that one day he was teaching his class and a student came up to him and said, my aunt is dying of cancer. She only has a few days left to live. Would you come and pray for her? And so Rodney said he went to the hospital and he walked in the room and he could tell that this woman was critically sick. And he said he went over there and he started saying, Holy Spirit, what do I pray? What do I say? And he said he heard these words deep down in his spirit, man. So he began to pray these words. He says, you spirit of death and cancer, I adjure you by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God, come out of this woman. And he says, I felt impressed to say it again and again and again. He said, for 20 minutes straight, I stood there and I said, you foul spirit of cancer, I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you come out of this woman, you foul spirit of infirmity that's attacked her body. I break your power in the name of Jesus. You foul spirit of cancer. I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I break your power. You foul spirit of cancer. I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I break your power. He said after about 20 minutes, the power of God hit that little woman. She began shaking her head and her shoulders began shaking. Then her whole body was shaking. And then the bed was shaking. And her nephew, who was a rather shy kind of person began shouting unto God with a voice of triumph he said the glory of the Lord entered that room and the next day that woman was out of the hospital and she had gone shopping hallelujah and you know you know if a woman goes shopping she's healed amen hallelujah glory to God 
I'm telling you, the anointing is not a feeling, although you can feel the anointing. The anointing is not people falling over under the power, although sometimes that happens because honestly, these old mortal bodies just get weak when you get really in touch with the, with the, with the power and with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. My dad is an evangelist. He's retired, but he still gets a lot of invitations to go various places to speak. And the truth of the matter is, while he's got the title evangelist because he's in traveling ministry, he's really a prophet. My, my dad, my dad, to have a good day for him would be able to spend six to seven hours on his face before the Lord. We, we bought him a globe and I've seen him just take it. And for hours and hours, he lays his hands on various countries all around the globe and he's praying for the church. He's praying for pastors he's praying for christians he's praying for evangelism outreaches big tears rolling down his eyes in fact if you've gotten to know my dad and he's not been around here the last couple of weeks because my mom's so sick but dad's got a place on his forehead where he's laid on the floor and just he rubs his head like this and there's a little leathery section right here on his head because of that my dad has an office in the midtown section of tallahassee he's had it probably for 40 years, maybe longer. And he has it because he wants to be able to get away from the house. And he wants to have a place to go pray and study. And sometimes he has meetings there. And dad told me that one day he was at the office praying. And as he prayed, he saw himself driving down a familiar road. It was a road that he takes from his office back to his house. He was driving down this familiar road and he saw him as he prayed. He just saw this mini vision. He saw himself stopping in front of a particular house. He said he had seen that house hundreds, if not thousands of times, but he'd never been in it, didn't know who lived there. He saw himself stopping and he saw himself going into the house. He saw himself praying for somebody and then leaving. So that afternoon as he was leaving the office, he drove by that house and he stopped. Said nobody was around that he knew. So he went up to the front door and he knocked on the door. No answer. He knocked a second time. No answer. He says, well, I guess I can leave now because nobody came to the door. He started to walk off the porch and he just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying, knock again. He knocked a third time. Still no answer. So he gingerly opens the door. Cracks it about three inches thinking, This is breaking and entering now. (laughs) Gently opens the door and he yells out, is anybody here? And he heard a faint voice back in a bedroom saying, I am back here. Come see me. So dad yelled again, is anybody else here? (laughs) No answer. So he stepped inside the house, closed the door. He says, where are you? And again, he hears this very faint voice saying, I'm back here. Come see me. And he walks back to the bedroom. And there's a little lady about 70 years of age. He said she is so fevered that there's just perspiration rolling off her brow. And she says, oh, mister, you must be a man of God. She says, I haven't had money to go to a doctor. And I've been sick now for five days. And I've been praying that God would send a man of God here to pray for me. Dad said he put his hand on her head 
And he prayed a real simple prayer. He rebuked that infection in her body. Rebuked that fever. He said the Spirit of God came upon her. That fever was broken. She began to give Jesus glory. He took out some money out of his pocket and put it on the dresser and he was out of there. He had done exactly what he felt like the Holy Spirit wanted him to do. What is the anointing? The anointing is your relationship with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes we think the anointing is, oh, did you feel the anointing today? Well, it's kind of a subjective thing. It depends on how, 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 how tuned in somebody is to the Spirit of God at the moment. But the anointing is really your relationship with the Holy Ghost. Dear ones, Joshua said, you've never passed this way before. You gotta keep your eyes on the ark. You gotta keep your eyes. We're not keeping our eyes on the ark. We're looking unto Jesus, who's the author and who's the finisher of our faith. We're looking at his word. We're saying, Jesus, I want my life to line up with your word and I want to listen to the Holy Ghost because the Spirit of God knows some things you and I don't know. And the Spirit of God's got an agenda that we don't have. And so, dear ones, what you want to do is you want to cultivate your relationship with the Holy Ghost. And if you'll cultivate your relationship with the Spirit of God and listen to the Spirit of God, and the Holy Ghost will never lead you to do anything that's contrary to the, to the books that are in the Bible. Say that again. The Holy Ghost will never lead you to do anything that's contrary to these 66 books that are in the Bible. Amen? Because the Holy Ghost wrote these. And he knows what he's doing. But if you want to move from frustration to occupation, if you want to move from point A to point B, if you want to move from where you are to where God wants you to be, it's not that complicated. But you got to be willing and you got to be obedient. Amen? I've got more to preach and I'm not finished. But I'll tell you what we'll do. Do you promise me you won't run away right now and I'll bring the ushers down and we'll distribute communion and then I'll continue as we're in communion. Is that okay? Is that a deal? Everybody agree to it? Come on, ushers, and we're going to very quickly, very quickly, very quickly, very quickly just distribute communion. We're going to worship some. Glenn and the team are coming. And then I'm going to pick up kind of where I've left off here. So important for us to cultivate a listening ear to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. It took faith. It took faith. Glenn, I'm just going to talk to you guys get in place here. It took faith for David to get on the battlefield with Goliath. It took faith. See, because Saul and all his men are hiding behind the rocks. Nobody is saying, it's going to work out great, David. God's going to give you a miracle. It didn't look like it was going to be a miracle. But you know what young David asked? He asked the question of all questions. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because circumcision was a sign of the covenant in the Old Testament. He says, this giant doesn't even have a relationship with God. (laughs) Who does he think he is taunting the armies of the living God. Circumcision is no longer a sign of the covenant. A circumcised heart is now a sign of the covenant according to the book of Romans. Amen? It's a circumcised heart that brings the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives to reign as King and Lord 
and master. Hallelujah. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taught the armies of the living God? And when he got those words out, the old giant's cursing him. The old giant's trying to make him feel bad. But he's got five smooth stones. He just needed one of them. He takes one of those smooth stones. He puts it in his sling. And he begins to swing it. Around and around and around. And it goes to the one place that the giant's vulnerable. The one place where he's vulnerable is where he doesn't have any armor right here. The giant hits the deck. David grabs his sword. Finishes him off. He says there is a God in Israel. Dear ones, I'm telling you. God wants to fight our battles more than we want him to. But he wants our obedience. Amen. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.